Shall we gather at the river? Yes, we shall. We're bound for the promised land. Well, good morning, friends. I hope my mic uh, starts working here. <laughs> it reminds me of the old joke. The Episcopal priest stood up and his mic wasn't working. And he said, something's wrong with this mic. And the people said, and also with you. <laughs> they can hear me. <laughs> All right. Friends, good morning. Uh, welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this All Saints Sunday, maybe my favorite Sunday of the year. Uh, it's good to be together in God's house. Uh, a lot of you are visiting with us. We're honored that you're here. A lot of you are joining us online. We're glad that you have joined us as well. Uh, my name's James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Nathan Arledge. It is a joyful Sunday to be here on this All Saints Sunday. We're here. We are gathered in this space um, where people have invested into us, the saints that have gone before us to remind us that have taught us how to come and be and worship together and also to invest ourselves into the life of the church. You can do so by finding this week at Myers Park, the insert um, within your bulletin. Find something that you can get engaged with. Reach out to one of us pastors um, and we'll help guide you along in that time. Now let us continue this day of worship. Revelation chapter 21, beginning with the first verse. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I
as we continue this time of joyful worship, let us affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed found in your bulletin. I believe in God, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Epistle reading is 1 John chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. Marcia, thank you for uh, those um, eloquent words, we would do well to uh, ponder them, uh, gosh, daily for the rest of our lives. We're the children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. It speaks in there about uh, being pure, which uh, it parenthetically reminds me of something that C.S. Lewis uh, wrote in a letter to a friend. Uh, thinking about, you know, we, we sort of like the idea of you just go to heaven the way you are, like just as I am, Lord, here I am. Uh, Lewis wrote this, wouldn't it break your heart if God said to us, it is true that your breath smells and your rags drip with mud and slime, but we are charitable here in heaven and no one will upbraid you with these things. Enter into the joy, should we not reply oh, with submission, sir, and if there's no objection. I'd rather be cleaned first. I like to think of all of life as preparing to go and visit the most resplendent person that you can think of. Like you'd get really ready. I used to always say Queen Elizabeth. She's not with us anymore, but you get the um, idea. Preparing for today, I thought about um, uh, somebody I bumped into last month. Lisa and I were in Vermont hiking. And uh, I always love, uh, we like to hike, it's fun. You, you, you know, go up these mountain tough paths, it's free. Uh, and you get to the top and everybody huffing and puffing to get there, but then they've got their cameras, their phones, they're taking selfies, getting a view of the vista, it's really great. And uh, usually after we get to the top, as we're coming back down, I don't think Lisa appreciates me doing this, but I always have something to say to the people that are coming up. You know, if they're kind of dragging a bit, I'll say, it's only four more miles. <laughs> or if they really look like they've about had it, I'll say, you're almost there. You're almost to the top, egging them on. Last month, a woman is coming up, and I said to her, I said, you're almost to the top. <laughs> she said the most amazing thing. She said, I don't really care if I'm at the top or not. She said, I just like walking in the woods. 
I've pondered that ever since. Like, I'm doing this series on how to be spiritual. We always think, you know, spirituality is about being at the top. I, I am now intimate with God, but uh, that's so hard. It, it's the journey uh, that makes it all meaningful. <coughs> and today we come, uh, we're marking the end of life, the end of lives, and thinking about the journey. You just have to admit that life is uh, fabulous and it's hard. It's uh, fun and it's boring. It's uh, challenging. Uh, what is life? It's, it's all these things. And that's what makes it precious. That's what makes us want to cling to it, not any one thing. And even in the final stages of life, sometimes that journey, sometimes it's just brutal. I mean, you know this, but other times there, there are surprising wonders toward the end of that journey as we approach the destination. I think about people that I've known, and you have too, who late in life become uh, more tender. Uh, people who late in life are able to articulate their emotions in ways that they never have before. I watched my father. He was never a tender speaker, but in his final days, he seemed to muster the words. Something came out that had been hidden in there all of that time, some nobility. In your final days, uh, Brian Doyle, uh, it's pretty interesting. Brian Doyle is one of my favorite writers. And I was in a meeting a few years back in Portland, Oregon, and a friend of mine and I were talking about Brian and how much we admired him, and we kind of got this wild idea of, you know, let's just reach out to him and see, it. will you meet with us? Will you, we're, we're groupies, will you meet with us? And he did. He came out and had a milkshake with us. It was the greatest thing in the world. And we talked to him, and then uh, not long after that, he was still in his 50s, diagnosed with cancer, and died not too long after that. He wrote some beautiful things about his final days, uh, including this about his young son. Every morning, my son got up early to help me put my socks on. I would sit on the back stairs in the dark, and he would wrestle my socks on, and neither of us would say any words. And I still can't think of anything cooler than that. I've racked my brain and considered all the possibilities of love, and I still return to that boy and those socks. No matter what happens to me, that happened to me. Love always uh, matters, and love especially matters, doesn't it, at the end, and even beyond the end. Barbara Kingsolver's become famous again because she wrote Demon Copperhead. Years ago, she wrote a book that I really treasure called Animal Dreams. And in Animal Dreams, she talks about the town of grace where on the day of the dead, all the citizens of the town of Grace would go to the cemetery, and they would bring flowers and strew the ground with flowers, and they would bring picnic baskets with a great feast, and they would sing, and they would dance, and they would take small stones and carve out the initials of those that they had loved and lost in the ground. King Solver wrote that in the town of Grace, you never stop being loved. And every year I think of this on this day, and I say, in this church, you never stop being loved. You never stop being loved. Uh, in a few minutes, it will fall to me to uh, read aloud the names of those that we have loved and lost uh, in the past year. I found myself, uh, as I've done it through the other services, uh, glancing up to where the person used to sit right, or a couple of people, they just were funny people, and it brings a smile to my face. So many of them I've loved so dearly and missed so terribly. Somebody said, is it hard to read the names? And I would say, it is hard, but it is such an honor. It is such a privilege to read these names. We, I'm glad we do this service. We know how to hallow death. The world has no clue. The world trivializes death, and they throw a party after somebody's gone, and they swap old stories, which is fine. But we know how to hallow death and to commend people to God. Uh, eight days ago, uh, it fell to me to preach at my father-in-law's funeral service. That was hard. 
my father-in-law was the pastor, the senior pastor here back in the 1970s and early 80s. And uh, at his service, I did my best, and I found out as soon as I sat down, I thought, God, I left out my best line. So I will share it with you. <laughs> you. My best line was this. Uh, Tom had a tremendous career in ministry, so many achievements and accomplishments. He was elected a bishop of the church. He did so many great things, but the single greatest thing is that because after he died, people started sending me, oh, the stories and great things, the way they admired him. The single best thing that was said to me came from an older woman in our church who, as a teenage girl, was in the first church that he served as a pastor. Now, let me give you a little background on it. My father-in-law, lovely man, uh, he was a person of great privilege. He grew up in a very wealthy family. There are uh, beautiful homes on the historic register, you know. He went uh, to Davidson College. He, I mean, to show you how cool he is, he then went to Duke. <laughs> and then he uh, downgraded a little, went to Cambridge University. Anyway, he was a person of immense privilege. After he left Cambridge, the bishop said, we're going to send you to this little church in a little mill town where there probably aren't any educated people. So he went there, and this woman in our church who grew up there said, we loved him so much. And I said, why did you love him? She said, he was just one of us. He was just one of us. Beautiful. I told that in the service, I forgot to add what I meant to add, which is that actually describes the God that my father-in-law and all of us entrust our lives to. Talk about privilege, God is in heaven. God has, you talk about comforts and eat, God is in heaven, but God did not deign to remain in heaven, but God came down and became one of us. God entered into our, our pains, our, our sorrows, our laughter, our joy, our eating, our walking, all of those things, our, our death. And God came to redeem all of that from the in, inside. Such a lovely thing. Paul in 1 Thessalonians says, that we grieve as those with hope. And I want to underline that. We do grieve. Sometimes you hear people and it's like, oh, you believe in Jesus, you don't really have to be sad or grieve. No, we grieve. We grieve heavily. I reread this week a book by a friend of mine named Rick Lisher. Rick, for years, taught preaching at Duke Divinity School. Uh, the book that he wrote is about the death of his son, Adam. Adam was diagnosed with cancer and lived for a while, but then died at age 33. Rick narrates this whole process so beautifully, and he says that when Adam died, he said they, they couldn't think who to call or what to say. It seems obvious, but who do you call and what do you say? Lisa and I found this. Her father had died, and we would try to call people and it was just so hard to say, he's gone. <laughs> it's obvious, we knew he was gone. Rick puts it this way, I knew Adam was dead, but to hear the verdict spoken was crushing. He said in the days to come, his absence chilled him to the bone. He says it's like a one-two punch. It cannot be, and yet it is. We grieve as those with hope, though, so I want to return to the hiker. The hiker said to me, I don't really care if I get to the top or not and just enjoy being in the woods. I would commend to all of you the top, the destination. It's fine to be walking through the woods, but God is taking us somewhere. And the destination is uh, amazing. It's splendid. I love that uh, Rick wrote, he said when his son died, he went upstairs to his computer and he knew, he, I've got to write Adam's obituary. And he wrote all these words and sent them into the paper. He said what he forgot to write was, he died believing in God. He died believing in God. The destination, we get confused about the destination. People say things about heaven that I don't blame anyone for saying them, but good grief. I mean, I've had so many people tell me, 
you know, heaven is, uh, you play golf every day and you make a birdie on every hole. I hope to God I don't have to play golf in hell. It's so frustrating. Like, why would I want to do that? And then I think about Tammy Faye Baker, right? She was dying of cancer. And she, she said, for me, heaven will be like a giant shopping mall and I'll have a credit card with no limit. Like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, what, what the Bible tells us is that uh, heaven will be such that the things that you think are amazing, like getting a birdie on a hole or shopping, will just, oh, it'll just be so boring. You won't be able to keep your attention on it at all because what First John said, you hear Marcia when she read it, is that we will see God as he is, or as Paul puts it, we will see God face to face. I mean, now you try to see God, but it's hard. There's always a ceiling. There's something you don't understand about God. You're trying to see God, but, but, but when you get to the destination, you will see God face to face, and God's Wonder, beauty, glory, power, tenderness, compassion will be, it will, it will, it will, it would annihilate you, except God doesn't wish you to be annihilated. It just will be so wonderful, and you just, your jaw will drop. <laughs> you could never be bored with such a thing. And the other thing in 1 John 3, I hope you heard it, it said that, uh, said that we will be like him. We will be like him. Rick tells about preparing for the funeral. He sat down with a Catholic priest who was going to conduct the service. And he said, the priest patiently explained to me that Adam was now more like God than like us. I love that. Those who are gone, they're like us, but they're more like God now than they are like us. I love that. Another thing I said at my uh, father-in-law's service, I should have brought the piece of paper to show you. Uh, my first day at work here at Myers Park, uh, my father-in-law, he'd had this job. <laughs> so he had made his way to Charlotte and he'd written me a note saying that he would pray for me. You get this kind of thing a lot, by the way. Somebody says, I'll pray for you. And I always wondered, did they actually pray for me? You wonder, is it just a praying hands emoji and they're done? <laughs> what my uh, father-in-law did was he took a full sheet of paper and wrote and filled the entire page with his prayer for me. So that was more than just, I will pray for you. It was very specific. I'm going to pray for this. 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 Pray for this. And I've kept and treasured that piece of paper, you know, and, and I, I believe firmly he did pray those things for me every day. And if I've done any good here, I now know it's the fruit of him having prayed for me that way every day. What I said at his service is that uh, we believe this weird thing in Christianity is that um, his prayers are not done. What we believe is that the intercession of the saints it continues. Those we have loved and lost continue in God's presence to lift us up, to intercede for us. It goes on, and I'd add this. If you think music here is amazing on a day like this, <laughs> if the Bible's any clue, the music in heaven will make you yawn at these guys. It'll be so splendid. We'll all even be great singers. I did say, I hadn't said this all morning. I want to wait until Lisa got home to tell this. But I did say at his funeral that there were several things that Tom was like the greatest person ever or the worst person ever. And I did say at his service, her dad was the worst singer ever. God, it was so bad. And like a lot of people, they can't sing the right note, but you at least know when it goes up and down. He didn't even go up and down at the right time. Like, God. And somebody said, do you think he'll be singing in heaven? And my first thought was, I hope not. <laughs> but then I thought, surely God, he loves singing. Surely God in God's mercy will uh, heal even <laughs> such a voice. Here's the last thing. 
Brian Doyle wrote uh, a little piece not long before he died about this. He remembered when his boys were little. He would take them to church, and they would sit on the pew, and the boys, they were kind of dragged there. They weren't all that interested, and they sometimes would fall asleep. And he remembered the feeling of he'd have boys on either side of him, and they, they, they would slouch down in the pew and would lean against his body. And he remembered how wonderful that felt, his boys just leaning their weight on him. Then he said at the end of his life, of course, he called his sons and said, I need you to go to church with me. And so they would go to church, and in his broken state, he was the one then who couldn't sit up straight through the whole service, and he would just lean his weight onto his little boys who weren't little boys any longer, but grown men. Brian called this the wordless pleasure of leaning against someone you love and trust. The wordless pleasure of leaning against someone you love and trust. Friends, in this place, we know that we can lean on God whom we love and trust, and we can lean on each other whom we love and trust. And it's a wordless pleasure. So often we try to find words. Many of you have written us such lovely notes and have said such lovely things to us, and the words are great, but it's not really about words at the end of the day, is it? The real beauty comes, I think, in the silence in the silence, and if there are words that matter, I don't know, words do matter. I think of words that matter in the silence like love or God or hope or the wonder of just saying someone's name just saying someone's name. Friends, on this Sunday, we celebrate All Saints Day as we remember with thanksgiving the members of our church who have entered the church triumphant during the past year. In our prayers, we ask that God would grant them eternal rest and that we would be kept in communion with all the saints until we are reunited with them around the heavenly throne of God. We remember all who have lived and died in faith and especially those most dear to us who rest now in God, whose names we speak now. Friends, I would invite you to please stand for the naming of the saints. Mary Lena Cox Bain, John Norris Blackwelder Sr., David R. Bodie, Paul Thomas Bowen, Janet Young Bradshaw, Jeffrey Lynn Burgess, Robert Bond Bird II, Richard Craven Carter, Jr., Peggy Ann Hall Clemens, Thomas Allen Crow, Ann Westcott Petey Woodall Devant, Flynn Keels Dixon, Mark B. Edwards, Robert Bo Weir Elliott, Jr. Janet Bowles England. Doris Fonville. Norman Earl Doc Fuller. Paul Eugene Gibson, Sr. 
John Gardner Golding, Preston Eugene Guyton, Joseph Kirkland Hall III, Sandra Moore Hardy, James Earl Hatfield, Stephen Warwick Hieronymus, Sharon Bunn High, Robert Lathan Johnson, Sharon Louise Scott McKnight, Mary Westman McKnight, John Lee Morris, Patricia Eastburn Munn, Michelle Marie Noyne, Jerome Johnson Richardson, Theodore Anthony Scharfenstein, Jeffrey Ruth Schott, Barbara Neal Shaw, Herbert Rufus Spa, Jr., Phyllis Lee Spear, Thomas Barber Stockton, Francis Justice Timberlake, Jr., Carl Wilson Walker, Jr., Hubert Leroy Wilson, Jr., Doris Bain Wren, and then we light a final candle for all those we love who have joined the church triumphant.
Church family, would we do join me in the prayer for all saints that you find there in your bulletin? Let us pray. We bless your holy name, O God, for all your servants who, having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Give us grace to follow the example of their steadfastness and faithfulness to your honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now would you join me in a time of prayer? O God of the prophets, of the saints, and of the faithful, gathered in your presence on this day, throughout the ages you have comforted us, challenged us, and empowered us. You know the depths of our hearts. You hear our deepest desires, dreams, and fears. And still you have called us to be your people, that your kingdom might become lived reality on earth as it is in heaven. We are mindful of all the places and all the times when we have fallen short of the title of saint. In these challenging times, we feel entangled in uncertainty and worry. We have succumbed to our fears. We have vented our anger upon one another. Our failures weigh heavily on us, and we are sorry. We ask for the grace of your mercy and for the gift of your forgiveness. Transform us, we pray. Change us from the inside out that we become true reflections of your image in this world. Eternal God, ancient of days, we are grateful that in all times and in all places you have provided your church with faithful people who point others to you. We give thanks for that great cloud of witnesses who surround your throne and who have called us to follow in their footsteps. On this day, we thank you for the saints whom we ourselves have known and loved. And we lift up the families of Wayland H. Cato Jr. and Wayland H. Cato III into the light of your presence. Comfort their families in this time of grief and renew us all in the hope of your salvation. As we go forth from this place today, enable us to lead a life of faithfulness with humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We lift this prayer in the power of your love for us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As the ushers come forward to prepare to give our tithes and our offerings, I want to thank you for your continued generosity that makes it possible for us to offer such important programs as grief support and our ministry to the bereaved.
Generous God, it is with joyful and grateful hearts that we bring to you a portion of that with which you have already blessed us. We ask you to bless it again, multiply it, and use it through us in your kingdom for your purpose. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It's been a beautiful and hopeful thing to be in worship together this day. For me, this is always the kind of day that reminds me how fortunate we are to be part of such a church. I'm so grateful. And by the way, after Lift High of the Cross, people at earlier services have made a run for the exits. Don't do that. You're going to miss Tecapo Brass gracing us with the end of the service. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore. Mm -hmm. 